Welcome to A Moment of Bach, where we take our favorite moments from the composer's vast musical output, just a minute's worth, or even a few seconds, and show you why we think they are remarkable. We are your hosts, Alex and Christian Giebert. Today we have two listener-requested moments from the St. Matthew Passion. The narrator right now is saying that at this special feast, sometimes the governor, who is Pontius Pilate, will ceremoniously release a prisoner. This would have been their chance to release Jesus, who was in captivity. Jesus, who famously did not do anything wrong. And then they had a choice. They had Jesus to release, or they could release Barabbas, who was actually a criminal. Then Pilate says, who should I release? And the evangelist, who is the narrator, says, for he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was sat down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. So Pilate's asking them who they should release. And what do they say? When I look back and remember about this moment when Alex, we, you and I both sang in a performance of this, I remember thinking like, oh, it was hard to find my pitch there because eight-part choir has to sing out of nowhere. Yeah. And we haven't sung for a while. Got to find your note. But that's, when you listen to this, the music is just not going to that place. Yeah. It's shocking. It's so strange that we picked Jesus instead to get punished when Barabbas was actually a criminal, that Bach chose to use the most immediately stunning harmonic device, which is that he led us somewhere and then just immediately started elsewhere. picked it up completely different harmonic place that's not where it was going so that barabas chord is or barabam is the way it's is the way it is in german there that chord is itself dissonant yeah that's true and i could talk about that 
It is a fully diminished seventh chord. It happens to be also a symmetrical harmony, which is really interesting. It's made up of four different pitches across several different octaves that in relation to each other are all very dissonant. Yes, it is on its own vertically dissonant. And the choir is divided here into eight parts. Some of them are, end up singing the same note, but it's it's uh, it's very spread out and huge. Yeah, and you mentioned that it's Barabam, right, in, in mm. German, and Barabas in the English version of that word. And I remember in rehearsing this, I don't know, you might remember this too because you were there, and in, re- in rehearsal we sung that and I I sang the S on accident because you can the the two languages are interlinear format on this on this vocal score so they're both there so I was reading the wrong one and um <laughs> yeah our our conductor Dr. Bush said somebody sang the S there and I I admitted to it you know I was like that was me yeah my bad I never yeah. made that mistake again I crossed out uh really hard the the BAS part instead of the BAM part and I'm looking at the same exact score right now. See this, Christian? Oh, that's the score you. That's used what I used to sing, to sing off from. of, and you can see the. Mm-hmm. You can see how, how uh, strongly I crossed out the English one there. Yep, it only takes one person saying s to make it sound like everyone's saying s. That's how it goes with choir. But right. right. But anyway, luckily that was just in a rehearsal. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the chord is dissonant and striking. Yeah, that's the voice parts. So there's a whole bunch of duplications of those four pitches, but those are the notes. They do sound strange all in combination like that, and by themselves, they are very unstable. But that's not really what's so striking about this moment, is it? Which is, by the way, I don't know, is this the shortest moment of Bach that we've ever that we've ever looked at? Mm-hmm. It's Barabas or Barabam, sorry. <laughs> it <laughs> gotcha. is it is the moment, but really, really what I'm saying here, what I'm proposing is that the moment is the chord before it because it is not going there and when it goes elsewhere that's what's strange yeah it's always about context with this stuff harmonic progression right that's that's the rule of of classical music harmony and this chord was going elsewhere and not only did it not only did it deceive us by going to a strange place but it didn't go to a place that even makes any harmonic sense rule wise yeah i mean the the key is definitely D major before that. And that's the end of the pilot phrase where he says, which one of these guys should I release to you? And the tenor sings like, they shouted and you'd expect them to shout on these pitches. Coming off of that lead up, you'd expect this. But when you, instead we get, just fantastic it just it's almost it's almost funny if it weren't like like if the context weren't so sad like the chord is just so out of left field that it's like what what is that and that's the point obviously it's supposed to be really surprising to to be clear this is not a deceptive cadence a deceptive cadence is is actually expected as part of the rules of, of harmony it would have been less striking though Yeah, that's a deceptive cadence, but you can hear how just you can hear how just orthodox that sounds compared to what Bach does. Yeah, and it has to be this way for it to for it to really work. It's 
crazy that the crowd chose Barabbas, and Bach has set that musically in a brilliant fashion. And by the way, I did look at the manuscript at this moment, which is also very enlightening. But what I love about the manuscript here is that the Barabam chord is so towering visually on the page because mm. it is a double choir and eight parts had to be written out plus a bass part, uh, instrumental bass part. Bach actually didn't need the whole page for this. It would have wasted page space. It's just like squeezed in on the left side. It's, check this out, Alex. Look at this. Oh, yeah. It's it's way over on the side. Like, And then the next thing that happens is that he he draws a line up he draws a line to go up because it's just it's just funny it's like yeah. awkwardly written but it ha he he was saving paper so today we have talked about this astounding barabbas moment and we'll talk about one other moment these two moments for today were a listener suggestion from an overseas listener a listener from munich germany actually by the name of wolfgang and Wolfgang got in touch with us and told us that the most impressive, two of the most impressive sections of the St. Matthew Passion to him were firstly this one, Pilate asking the crowd whom to release and the crowd answering, Barabam. He described the moment as, the chord as absolutely spine thrilling. I love that description of this chord. And like I'm, like we're talking about now, Alex, I think for me that the spine thrillingness of it goes beyond even the chord itself into the harmonic context of why that chord is is so strange. The second moment that Wolfgang picked was after Jesus' death, the Roman commander and the crowd, which is the choir, says, Wahrlich, dieser ist Gottes Sohn gewesen. This means, truly, this was the Son of God. In the Bible, and uh, the St. Matthew Passion. In this part, the veil of the temple is split in half, and the narrator sings about this to a furious effect. There was an earthquake and all kinds of supernatural phenomena and the Roman centurion who was in charge of watching Jesus as he was being crucified saw all of that, and the people around him also, and they all said, truly this was the Son of God. Wolfgang notes that if this line is not played and sung too fast, it sounds, quote, heavenly. And I asked him about this, about what he thought of the Netherlands Box Society performance, because of course you can find a bunch of performances of this of this work. Some, some of them take that part too fast, and they kind of blow through it. Some of them go really slow. He was a big fan of the way that it was done by the Munich Bach Orchestra, uh, directed by Karl Richter. Hmm. But he did praise 
the Netherlands Bach Society recording as well as saying that the heavenly harmonic structure became very transparent. I'll say this, I think that as a composer who's setting text, you have, if you're a composer who's, who's going to set some text to music, you have some choices. And sometimes the best ones are not the most obvious ones. Here, we have the words, there was this great earthquake, the narrator says, now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly saying, truly this was the son of God. So it makes a lot of sense that Bach uses the choir to say truly this was the son of God because it was more than just the centurion. It was a few yeah. people saying that. But my first instinct would be to set this to terrifying music. Wouldn't you think, Alex? Or maybe subdued I, fright? No, I. it's interesting. I, I No, I don't think so. Mine would be a little different. I think, I mean, I think it's awe. Oh, I, sure. I don't think I would have this that heavenly sound that he's right that that is here. That's probably not what I would have been my first instinct either. But probably not terrifying either. Something something just a little more awe and and um, grandeur kind of thing, you know. Mm, yeah. Or maybe depending on you know because Bach has just done this like really exciting thing with the earthquake, and the curtain of the temple ripping, and that and that stuff was was presented by Bach with all these flurrying runs in the harps in the harp score the continual line and things like that and then even just right before this this choir part he said the trembled with fear part he has mm-hmm. the evangelist go on to a high note in it in a sort of surprising thing key change um similar to the barabam thing but not quite as crazy and then he gives us this angelic thing truly this was the son of god and so i think i think yeah i think my mind would have been closer to where you're saying christian where with that fear part than than what bach did here or at least amazing no one would have thought twice if he had just continued the style of the evangelist part you know with the same right or just had a bass singer or whatever sing that as a Mm -hmm. little solo just like in the same exact way he would have jesus and Pilate and judas and all the other um all the other vocalist singers trade off with the evangelist like they do so often in this. But I also like, speaking of the heavenly thing, I mean, you can see just this arch-like structure. There's only two measures here, but they go slow. Two measures and change, right? And you can see by looking at all the vocal parts do this. They all move, in a general sense, they all move up and reach a peak in the middle of this. And then on the second measure, they all fall down. All of them do. And that's a little unusual because when you have parallel motion like that in, in classical music, it's hard to make it work harmonically, but it's not perfectly parallel. And there's a lot of things going on that make it follow the rules. But what that does is it it just gives that lifting, floating feeling in the middle, right? And if you listen to the bass instruments like they typically do, they're mostly, they're mostly exactly doubling the bass voice 
here. It like leaps, the continual line starts kind of low and leaps mm -hmm. up for a second and then comes down. It's really beautiful. The contour is, is nice. Yeah, it's just not, I just wouldn't have expected that this line would be set to such just plainly beautiful music, if that makes if that makes sense. Yeah, it's really great because it's like Bach really clearly had a deep understanding of the text, right? Every time we we set scripture to music, we better understand exactly everything about the, that we can about that scripture, including the context and how it was written and the intended message or the intended lesson sometimes if it's like a parable or whatever. Mm -hmm. We better understand all that stuff if we are to set that to music and Bach's understanding of this, or I should say Bach's interpretation of like this centurion's reaction to tru truly this was the son of God, I think is very faithful to the text, even though there is that sense of interpretation that you could you could think that this, this guy was just scared out of his mind and the music should reflect something more terrifying. Yeah, there's, there's a few different ways to think about his reaction and his words and the people's reaction, which is that one of the ways is, uh-oh, we messed up, you know? Yeah. And we're in trouble now by some sort of supernatural deity. But no, that's not what it sounds like Bach did. Bach, it sounded like it was more like, oh, that, that new truth, which I'm now learning, completely reframes everything about my life. <laughs> yeah, and it would for these people. And it does when you when you hear this. Imagine being, I, I almost envy in a way, being in the audience for this and having it be in a, a spiritual experience, you know, maybe for somebody who doesn't really get what Christianity is at all, or maybe for somebody who just totally does get it, but has never been inspired um, to look further into it or whatever. Maybe, you know, I'm sure Bach would like the idea that that God works through through Bach's music, right? To like to inspire people um, to like come to the faith, right? And what if what if that was your experience listening to this? I mean, wouldn't that be amazing? And you'd get to this moment after all that darkness, you get to this moment, and with that centurion and those people saying, "Wait, this was the son of like he he believes it now, and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful statement." What if you were listening to this and that was like how you were feeling too, that your mind had changed, you know? And that would make the, the rest of this, which the, the next, what, 20 minutes or whatever, the, the ending of this entire work with the beautiful aria that's coming up, the very powerful um, last couple choral movements, um, that would just make it an unforgettable experience for somebody experiencing it that way. You're reminding me of a, of a thing that was said as as a joke that I listened to in some podcast that was like you're playing some beautiful, stunning orchestral excerpt, and one of the co-hosts she said, "Man, if music sounded like that in church, it would make me believe in God." And yeah. and I was thinking, and when she said that, of course, it was funny. But then when then I was thinking, like, there is music that good that has been used in church before, and it's. It's box music, you know? Yeah, if it's done well, right? It also seems maybe like, maybe trite to, to think that like, you need like really good emotionally stirring music 
to come to like a spiritual realization. But you know what? It works differently for every single person. So some people, that might be exactly the way that God works in them. For others, it might be a lot more intellectual. You yeah, just don't know. Music has has a great uh, has a great like metaphysical power, and it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people around the world. But surely, music and spiritualism are tied together around the world. Oh yeah, without a doubt. And now, here is that Barabam moment. And here is that truly this was the Son of God moment. If this introduction to a musical moment has inspired you to hear the rest of this piece, please see the link in the episode description to see the performance of the St. Matthew Passion by the Netherlands Bach Society. Do you want to hear our new episodes as we release them? Find us on your podcast app and hit subscribe. What moment will we be doing next week, Alex? We will be taking our first look at another passion setting from Bach, the St. John Passion and we will be looking at the opening chorus. Until next time, enjoy those moments. (laughs) 